0: Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Podstruckland. I'm your host, Shreveen, episode 373. I am joined, as always, on this uh, very snowy Tuesday uh, by my co-host Stacy. That is at StacyPan99 on Twitter. Stacey, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning?
1: Uh, still pretty upset about uh, the Knicks getting hosed yesterday um, and uh, buried in a, an almost a foot of snow, I think, right now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, quite a bit of snow um, but anyway uh, we're not here to talk about snow or the weather we're to talk about basketball but before we get started I do have to make a few few announcements the first thing that Strickland has Instagram check that out that is at the strict Instagram we are posting all kinds of new content on there the Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast if you are not done so already please hit like subscribe to the channel leave us a comment that'd be a huge help to us the Strickland also has merchandise which you can find on our website at www.district.land. Again, there's a link that will take you to the merchandise store from there. You can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. And finally, the Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that hosts host every Friday of the Prez. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Blatter. And you also get access to the Strictly Discord with the conversation never stops there are the tiers. There's a the $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, my branch and Ray, but the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Moreno, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to Strictly NFL, our solo, or sorry, our solo, our NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and... Jeffrey Rasmussen, there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Let's come with a variety of additional benefits. You so can listen on pod merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours for one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, it'll be possible bet online. Bet online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform, Anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices, head to BetOnline Online today to become part of the team. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus and your first sponsor. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, look, I talked about the officiating plenty uh, on the post game last night, and I, I there's really no other way. Um, I, I There's no other way to really uh, start this, way, I guess, other than saying that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Um, I don't know I well, what are your thoughts I guess just on the entirety of the game and maybe just the ending if you want to uh, the ending call which was atrocious obviously um which costs the game uh, which cost the next game very directly um giving Aaron Brooks free throws right at the or Aaron Holiday. sorry geez, Aaron Brooks Aaron Holiday Aaron Brooks is actually uh, a coach for the Knicks. Aaron holiday uh the the best holiday brother he uh he he got to the line at the end of the game uh, on a really really bad call so um I don't know what were your thoughts?
1: I've seen missed calls like that. I've never seen a call like that, just that flimsy. Uh, also, it was clearly a heave. I mean, he looked like Carlton Banks throwing a you know, the prayer at the, in the Fresh Prince episode. Um, but even before that, there were missed travels on Shingun. There was one play where Dylan Brooks literally went full Marshawn Lynch on Jalen Brunson in good guarding position just through his – I mean, if that's Randall, they're looking at that as a flagrant one. Um, 33 free throws to 12. We've talked about it. Uh, it was just very imbalanced. Um, you could tell. I, I mean, I think part of the you know in the post game, you you heard um, um you know both Brunson and uh, Tibbs give very passive aggressive or like like I think Brunson said four times great call next question right he was clearly upset. Um, I wonder if they knew that there's going to be some kind of like you know maybe even Leon or one of the representatives like told them like don't say anything. We'll will handle it. Um, but very poorly officiated game. Uh, give the Knicks credit for fighting through adversity. Uh, I think you mentioned this on the strict chord, but uh, beyond actually the free throws and all that, the Knicks were already depleted. Uh, they really only had two bigs in Hartenstein and Sims. or Sorry, Precious and Sims. By the way, Precious had an awesome game, I thought, particularly down the stretch. Um, and so, you know, foul trouble just compounded that. Um, and, uh, and to top it all off, the Knicks had another very crucial injury. Um, hamstrings are really tough. Um, <clears throat> really hope DiVincenzo isn't out too long, um, and this is a team that just desperately needs to get to the all-star break.
0: Um, Yeah, there's really nothing else to say to that. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just think that... If you're going to call it like, I, Tim's actually said this in the post game, and this is what I agree with. It doesn't matter how you're going to call it. Are you going to call it tight? You're going to call it loose? Doesn't matter, right? Either way, it's fine as long as you apply consistently. And that game was not that. Like, it, it was not. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't really know what to say other than that. Like, you can't call a game one way for. Houston and then make the Knicks plant eggshells. And like I mentioned this in, in our Discord, but like you can't like I'm just gonna say this. I thought many people were being fucking insane in our in our live game chat during the first half yesterday about oh the Knicks aren't competing, they're not playing hard. I think that's a fucking crock of shit. They were in foul trouble pretty much the entire game. All their bit like Sims picked up two fouls pretty quick. Precious picked up two. Then they both picked up their third. I think that is actually part of the reason why Todd ended up playing uh, some minutes in the first half. And it's not a fucking lack of effort. It's not. I'm sorry. Shut the fuck up. It's not a fucking lack of effort. You know what happens when you get in foul trouble and you're shorthanded? You're down Randall. You're down Mitchell Robinson. You're down Isaiah Hartenstein. You're down OG Ananobi. You know what's going to happen? Guys have to be careful. Oh, shit, they're going to call us tight on everything? All right. Then this drive. I'm not going to contest this that well, because if I do, I might pick up a foul. Oh, you know what? On am this rebound. I'm not going to go too hard after that because it's out of my space. If I reach over that. might be a foul. It is a consequence of your, of, of the entirety of the game. So the refs like, yeah, it, it's not even about what fouls they did call or like, it, it's not about punishing the Knicks or, or, you know, Oh, they called too many shooting fouls or whatever. It's, You put them in so many positions where it made things inherently easier for Houston to score or get advantages. And, like, I'm sorry. Like, I I just have a really big problem when, like, you're already – we're already shorthanded. I'm not – you expect a whistle on the road to go against you. You expect that. Like, that's just, you know, 65 35. 60 40, 70 30, whatever it is, you're expecting you're not going to get a great whistle on the road. Fine. Like, that's just, that's, that's just, look, that that is actually human nature. Like, you've got, you know, a, a crowd that's probably partisan uh, for the home team, unless you're playing, you know, unless you're the Knicks and you're playing in Brooklyn. Um, but, like, that's so when people are screaming at you, you tend to make calls that will be aligned with the people screaming at you. I get that. I'm fine with that. You can't call a game the the way that it was called last night. You cannot let a team, from the opening of the game, it was very obvious they were going to let them do whatever they wanted to do, Jalen Brunson, very specifically, It didn't matter how, like, they they could grab him, push him, pull him, fucking set illegal screens on him. The amount of times they set illegal screens on him yesterday that were not called, like, and these are not just the ones of, you know, Brunson is like the master of drawing. These these offensive fouls on on screens for moving screens like not just those like ones where he actually was trying to get over the screen like they wouldn't even call that and um it, it was just ridiculous and it's ridiculous when it's like you're rewarding Dylan fucking Brooks seriously like that's that's what we're doing here we're rewarding Dylan fucking Brooks um, the 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 no call on or the they, they even called him for, an, for a for a foul on I think it was was it Devin that made the three uh, Brunson went up. For the rebound, and and Brooks kind of just shoved him in the back, like they they called a foul on that. That should have been a tech because he's clearly taunting Brunson afterwards, and that should have been a review for a flagrant. That's an elite like you're pushing a guy in the back from his blind side, like literally lowered his entire. And the refs have
1: said back. we take into account player reputations. They have been open about that. They do that with Draymond. If, if anyone has a reputation, it's this guy, right?
0: So, yeah, it's it's stupid um but um so I, yeah, I mean it um go ahead i mean that happens
1: i i think i'm sure people would call me the the guy who cried wolf on the refs but you could see i mean ben stiller was still tweeting about it this morning right uh and then i think you know it was really pouring gasoline on the flame uh when ed malloy after the game said you know actually we shouldn't have called a foul there right before the two last two minute report um, I don't think that did much to appease anyone. Um, personally, I think I wish they would just play in overtime. Uh, although, I don't know if you're supposed to take the ball first or not. Um, but, um, you know, going, you know, leaving that aside, going back to the game, um, I, I definitely agree with you that it wasn't an effort. I think a lot of it is just, um, for me, like, you know, I, I don't believe I criticized the Knicks' effort at all. Uh, it's just very frustrating, I think, right now um, to see just how – I think we really – the the Knicks have been good for a few years, but after that OG trade, they were straight up dominant. They were blowing teams out. Without Hartenstein to do what they did to the Nuggets was eye-opening. Um, what they did to Philly, um, eye-opening. Um, you know, it just they looked like a team that could win a championship. And they've been finally getting that respect, even from the national audience. You know, we're still hearing people like Kenny Smith taking jabs, but Zach Lowe, Kendrick Perkins, like everybody's talking about this team. Like, no, not not just second tier below Boston. They have a real chance uh, of a contender. And then all of a sudden it's just drip. I mean, it's it feels like every game there's an injury. Um, you know, going back to that, I have, um, I know you haven't really been a minutes police person, I have thought for the most part, I wouldn't put a lot of these, like the Randall thing was a freak injury. OG was being overused, but they didn't really have too many options at that point. Um, And, you know, he is a guy who's had injury issues in the past. Um, Hartenstein was clearly overused. Again, with Mitch out, he had to shoulder heavier loads. So I didn't know that Tibbs had too many other options. Last night, I think, was a little bit worse because he could have played Deuce McBride, um, who was big enough to guard. At the two two spot, and DiVincenzo played 41 out of 43 minutes. That's the first one I I would think about putting on Tibbs, and I think what sucks is it it, it almost has this cascading effect because you lose one guy, someone else has to play more. Uh, you lose another guy, then another guy has to play more, and then it just it keeps cascading, right? Because overuse leads to injury, which leads to more overuse. Um, and again, I'm not putting it all on Tibbs. What did you, did you do? You think that it's fair though? There is a lot of criticism right now of Tibbs' minutes. Um, I think. As it pertains to Dante, I think it is warranted. Curious to your thoughts there.
0: Uh I thought yesterday was really stupid. Um, just in terms of minutes, rotations, whatever. I really never want to hear again about how much he likes Deuce McBride. He clearly doesn't. He doesn't think he's good. Like I don't know what else to say. It's pretty obvious that he doesn't view him as a valuable player at all. Um he views him like Frank, basically. Like which just whatever. Like uh, I mean that's what it, that's his evaluation of Deuce McBride. He doesn't trust him. That's what it is. Like I, I just don't want to hear anymore about how much he likes Deuce McBride because it's not true. He played him five minutes last night or whatever it was in the first half, and that was it. Four minutes. Then he put him in for the last possession of the game for a situational defensive stop. That was it. He didn't play a single second in the second half. That's multiple times he's done that with him. Um, he's all, like Alec Burks is already now the backup point guard and fully empowered to do Alec Burks things, which okay. Again, that's his call. I I don't. It's not unreasonable to prefer Burks in that role to Deuce, considering both of them have limitations as far as ball handling, um, and dribble penetration, um, and ch- general shot. I mean, and Burks is a better shot creator, um, at least for himself, than, than Deuce is. Um, so, again, okay, fine. But like, you can't play, like, you can't do what he did yesterday. You can't have. A starting five play an entire quarter, like play the entire third quarter which again I, as i said on the live stream after the game last night i would love for somebody to tell me the last time that's happened in the nba does that or even happen play? playoffs?
1: Definitely not i don't know either. but the i would season. i
0: would love to know the last time that's happened in a regular season game that the entire starting five of a team plays an entire quarter i would love to know that um then if or if that's ever happened to be co- completely honest Then to come out to start the fourth quarter with four of those guys still on the floor—Brunson, Divincenzo, Hart, Precious—and then you have Divincenzo pick up something with his hamstring. Maybe, hopefully, it's not severe. Hopefully, it was just a precaution. We don't know anything yet, so let's let's see. Um, That's a bad look because the Randall injury is bad luck. Uh, I'm not gonna—I won't put that on him. The OJ and Obi injury to me—I mean—that has nothing to do with overuse, as far as I'm concerned. Um, And then. The Mitchell Robinson injury, that's not an overuse injury. Like, Mitch just picked up a weird injury. And and honestly, Mitch's minutes in general, like, what was he getting? Like, 30 max? He just usually doesn't play that much. Um, Hartenstein's is a little bit weird. The Achilles thing, soreness, I don't fully under – I'm not a doctor. Uh, I know that you might be surprised by that since I'm Indian, but I am not a doctor. Um, And uh, I don't have a strong feeling about it because I don't know what he's being told by the medical staff as far as, like, hey, dude, this guy's Achilles a sore, here's what we recommend, this is what you should do, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. So I I just kind of like, eh, you know, on that one, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, right? But the Steven Chenzo one yesterday is like, dude, I can't give you the benefit of the doubt there because a hamstring injury is almost always exclusively about fatigue. And you play a guy an entire quarter after he's racked up a shit ton of minutes over this last month. This is a guy who I think for his career is like, like a 27 minutes per game guy. You've got him routinely now playing over 40. Um, like when you push somebody like that, and then you play him an entire third quarter after pretty taxing. And and let's be real, like the physicality of this game yesterday was it was a physical game. This was that second half was a high octane, highly intense competitive game. Both ways, like, forget the ref officiating part of it. That was a competitive basketball game. It was a physical basketball game. Um, like those were harder minutes than if you're playing, I don't know, the fucking Wizards or something, right? Like it's just it's different. And like that, so you play him an entire third quarter, fine, fine. Bring him out to start the fourth. Then he plays however many minutes he did in the fourth. I think probably like six, five or six, uh, maybe more than that hurts his hamstring, and then he has to actually leave the game early uh, to to deal with it. Like, it's a bad look, man. It's a bad look. And, and it's a bad look, especially because this front office, like, he no longer has the excuse of they don't have depth. Like, yeah, they might not have ideal depth right now. They don't have ideal depth right now. We all know that. They, you know, they, they need OG to get back. They need Randall to get back. They need Mitch or Hartenstein, one of those two. I mean, Hartenstein probably will be back. He might be back on fucking Thursday or Wednesday, for all we know, against Orlando. But, like, when you got Bogdanovich and Burks were both in NBA condition. Yeah, they might not be in Tibbs' condition, which I fully don't think they are, uh, having watched them play quite a bit right now. I think they're still getting through Pistons' brain right now uh, and adapting to playing serious basketball again. But, like, you can use them more than he chose to. He didn't bring them in. He, he brought in Bogdanovich, right, to start the fourth. He didn't even bring in Burks until later. Like, it, it was just... Even if you don't trust Burks because he was playing like a jackass last night, you have to use him for like three minutes just to give guys a break. Like you could have, it was just, I don't know. I just have a really, really big problem with how he managed that second half last night. And I, and I generally feel pretty ambivalent about criticizing Tibbs for minutes, mostly because I think when his team is relatively healthy, he's actually been fine with minutes to me for the better part of four years. Like, his rotations, how he actually gets to those minutes can be weird, but his actual, like, you look at the minutes per game total of most guys, I don't think they're that outlandish, even for, like, Randall, you know, or Brunson. Like, it's not... It's not like he's playing them leading levels. It's uh, in line with other... The
1: other guys on that level, 35, 36 minutes, are all all NBA, all-star, you know, top player on their team guys, right?
0: So it makes sense. Um... Yeah, so I, I just I just, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nuts.
1: Um, yeah, so I think that um, you know, when you're talking about, um, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I, I think, like, you can't have it all ways. Oh, sorry. Right? So no, no, I, I guess
0: I'll just say it. this. Just to answer your point very directly, I don't think, I don't like blaming him generally for the injuries. I think if you want to criticize him for the DiVincenzo one last night, that's probably fair game. I'll put it that way.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly where I'm at. Um, and I, there's constraints on everything, right? You have to, if you don't think, I, I do think Burks was not playing well yesterday. Um, I think he is always a guy who's going to be score first. He is not a point guard. Um, not, wasn't in 21, uh, but in 21, he found the right balance. At least enough of a balance, I should say, right? Um but even when Brunson's out there with him, the guy has pure tunnel vision right now, and it works out a little bit, and it's good enough, I think, to carry bench units. But when he's playing with the starters, he's got to, he's got to, you know, know his role a little bit better. I think that'll come. He's a vet. Um, this is a guy who's been productive on good teams, bad teams. He figures it out. So I'm not too worried long term about Burks. But last night, I get it. Um, Bogdanovich, I thought has, I actually thought has been playing reasonably well. Uh, he's never going to play defense the, at the level that Tibbs wants him to. Um, I wasn't super focused on his defense last night. I didn't think it was particularly good, but he gives you shot creation. He allows you to stretch the floor, which is really a boon for, for, um, for not just Brunson, but even guys like precious, right. Uh, you know, having space to roll to the rim and, and cut and all that. Um, but if you don't want to play those guys, then okay. Then you play Deuce. You you can't just play DiVincenzo 41 out of 43 minutes like that in a regular season game when you're already really uh, on the margins. And, um, and, and I think you have to, you have to know kind of your team a little bit better, right? And know who's, um, you know, if they are showing the effects of this fatigue, cause they're all playing heavier minutes and, and DiVincenzo, it's not just that he's been playing heavier minutes. He's been asked to do a lot more. Um, he's been asked often to take the harder assignments on defense, right? Because they don't really have that perimeter. I mean, they have precious. Now they can throw it at guards a little bit, but they don't have OG. They don't have grimes anymore. He's asked usually to take on the best perimeter player. Um, you know, if you're guarding a guy like Dylan Brooks, a very physical player, you know you have to know kind of you have to be able to gauge that a little bit, which maybe isn't Tibbs' strong mm-hmm. suit. Um, but um, you know, I, I'm I don't know what the rotation is going to be on on Thursday. I'm just at this point beyond wins and losses. I'm just hoping we get to the All Star break without another injury. you know?
0: I I said this yesterday. I genuinely don't care. I I care about seating. I care about that one. I think it's too easy or too early to start valuing games so heavily because of seeding um but like if they wanted to shut everybody down for for wednesday or what are we playing we're playing wednesday right not thursday against orlando um, or is it thursday i don't i don't know i have no idea um, but like yeah it's it's tomorrow they play about they, they, they wanted to play on valentine's day that's so cute um, but like that's when the magic happens. Exactly. Uh, But, like, if you just wanted to shut everybody down, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Like, I really don't. Like, this is just a brutal stretch. They would have gone 4-5 and five without Randall and OG, I believe, if they lose this next game. That's a perfectly acceptable record considering their circumstances. And, obviously, not just Randall and OG, right? You're also – you've lost Hartenstein now for a couple of games, two and a half games. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's You're been out forever. Mitch. Brunson missed the yeah, game, like, too, right? So, Brunson missed a game during this stretch, like it, or not during this stretch? Did he? Wasn't Yeah, the, he no, recently oh yeah, lost he did. one. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, and then you so went like, to the
1: trade game where they were just completely out of guys, right? So,
0: right. So you like you just need to if you want to like again if you want to punt that game, I got no problem with that. I'm the, I got no problem with that. Like, just get these guys to the All Star break, heal up, and let's come back and then let's start, you know, getting into things. But like, they need to get healthy first and foremost, before anything else. They, they really, really do. Um, so, we'll see. I don't know. I um, It's just, man. That game last night was just really, really infuriating because I, I thought they put so much in the, And like, forgetting all the, you know, and look, I, I do think the criticism of Tibbs' minutes and rotations last night are valid. You know, I, I'm not, I, I'm more, I'm definitely, I'd, I'd be lying, I've definitely been critical of his minutes. I just don't, the minute stuff in general to me, I just can't really get into. Um, that's like part and parcel of what you get with Tibbs as a coach. And I think there's actually some value to the way that he, I think there's a, there's a reason why the next culture is what it is. And I think part of that has to do with Tibbs's kind of like how he views each game. Like I, I think, there is a value to that, especially considering where the Knicks were uh, before Leon and and Tibbs took over. I think there's a real value to that. But um, yesterday was just too much. I mean, that was, that was really crazy. And, um, you know, look again, hopefully Dante is not nothing serious and we'll be fine, but pretty, pretty annoying. Um, Yeah. But like, again, they just played so hard in that game. They played so hard in that game. I thought Josh Hart, in that third quarter, like you know, I, he's just been so unable to find a rhythm this year and and catch it and stay consistent for pro, uh, like a stretch of games. But that third quarter from him and that entire second half, really, that's why Tibbs will roll with that guy because when he's like in when he's in the mood, when he is like right and and he is at the top of his game, he changes things he plays with an energy that i don't know that they can like really get from somebody else i just don't the way he can impact the game is very very unique and special um and he played so hard josh hart uh and he played so hard in that third and fourth quarter yesterday he was awesome um and he deserves to get credit for it because um you know we've I, i criticized him yesterday in the first half when he was just refusing to shoot the ball it's like you got to shoot the ball. I mean, that's the bare minimum. Is when you're open, shoot the fucking three. That's all I ask. I don't, I don't need him to shoot a great percentage, but I do need him to fucking shoot the ball and not, you know, record record scratch possessions as as he's been doing so consistently lately. So yesterday, seeing him play the way he did was really really good. Um, and then obviously, I think Precious Precious was great last night. He was awesome throughout the entire game. And I mean, I, I said some wild things about him during the the, the post game yesterday, but like. He's playing at such a high level. I, I don't know. He he looks like a real find for them right now. They gotta I mean we'll see. Like they there's still however many games after the All-Star break. I think I'll there'll be 27. So he's got twenty more, twenty-eight more left in the year. Um, we'll see how things shake out. But like as it's only I mean, twenty-four, it,
1: so he's entering his prime. The point you made with other players they've targeted, right? So
0: Yeah. So like this guy is I mean, the way he's playing right now is really, really special. And to get that as like the throw-in in the OG trade is pretty crazy. Um, I, he had so many eye-popping defensive plays yesterday. Like that, I mean, it sucks that they call that foul on Brunson, but that last possession on Jalen Green, it was awesome. Like he he has to actually shade over before the inbounds comes in because they got switched, and so Burks ended up on Shangun, So he had to shade over to prevent the, in, the inbounds going to Shangoon they throw it over to Jalen Green on the, opposite, on the opposite corner, which he's able to recover out to. Stops him from taking a step back. Is step for step with him every every which way on the drive and swatted his his horrible. It was I mean it was a terrible, terrible, terrible layup attempt. Uh, that was a special defensive play. He had a couple of great defensive plays on Jabari Smith Jr. Um, who is a definitely a talented player. Um, seems to have some wild. I don't know if I would trust him in transition. That's probably the best way I could put uh, Jabari Smith Jr. right now. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I thought Precious did a great job on him. I thought Precious did a great job on Shangoon down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I mean, there were a couple that should have been flat-out travel calls um, that were not called on Shangoon. And Precious still was able to contest and get stops. Again, just a fantastic job on him. Um, and then, obviously, the offensive glass, he he got us a lot of extra possessions. Like, he is just showing out a lot. and. um cool to see it's really cool to see them get what they are getting out of him uh again another guy would just need to watch just a little worried like just need to get the all-star break and we need to get bodies back because i think tibbs is extending him a bit too much hopefully we get iheart back and sims is back now so at bare minimum um you know mate you're able to to cut down his minutes a little bit but he, he's going to get pushed a little bit uh, probably more than we'd expect without OG and Randall so far. So, um, we're going to get a good decent sample size on him. That's for sure. Uh, and man, defensively, you've just got to be really, really encouraged with what he's shown and honestly intrigued by the versatility he provides, especially like the lineups. I mean, we didn't get to see it for that long, but I think those OG precious Randall lineups, three, four, five. um, they're pretty interesting to me. I think that's a very versatile group, and it gives you a different look and an ability to defend in different ways than uh, that deviate a bit from Tibbs's base base uh, base scheme. Yeah, and that's perfect
1: for a team like Boston because you're going to want to throw size at Brown, and um, you know, for all of Randall's shortcomings as a defender, he's a pretty good on-ball defender. I think he can handle a guy like Jalen Brown. Um, OG is obviously the ideal guy you'd want to throw at Tatum. And then, Precious, in theory, helps you deal with that kind of um, the stretch five issue, right? Uh, especially you were talking about, you know, his ability to recover and help uh, in the paint. Uh, you know, that's 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 the kind of flexibility you need to win those uh, against a team like that, right? But what the Knicks just didn't have, and and for that matter, it, that goes for Milwaukee as well. Um, so it definitely gives the Knicks a different look. He he's a much more. I think you and I have both been. Hartenstein's a little bit more maybe perimeter-oriented uh, than than Mitch. We've been looking for a guy who can um, who can really guard those stretch fives because that's been a, an Achilles' heel. Uh, no uh, coincidence intended, I guess, with with Hartenstein's injury, but that's been an Achilles' heel for the Knicks for a while. Going back to even guys like Nikola Vucevic, obviously Jokic has generally torched the Knicks. Um, Brook Lopez usually has good games, right? That, I mean, those Boston and Milwaukee games, um, when the Knicks were just really, you know, when DiVincenzo was first put in the lineup, and they were really struggling on defense. That was a big part of it, just how much space their team was able to create. Uh, and now you have guys who can who can guard in the perimeter. Even Brunson is a little bit more, um, you know, adept in, in that situation. And Precious unlocks a whole lot more. And the fact that he can give you backup minutes at the four. I think one thing, he's developed really nice chemistry with Isaiah Hartenstein. Um you know, we didn't Obi Obi would do this at times, teams couldn't find him, but he has great timing on his cuts. Um, and Hartstein finds him. And and I think that, that really helps. I don't know if he would work quite as well with Mitch because um Hartstein's another guy. Like, if you talk about um and this has really helped Randall, I think a lot too, because you know, you, you look at Randall's shot chart this year and it's basically everything near the rim, and then he takes some threes, right? But he's taking a lot fewer long twos and there are people saying oh is that necessarily a good thing you know in the playoffs you might need to take those but there's just functionally a lot more space one obviously of the shooters right you have um you're playing him next to brunson and divincenzo who are you cannot leave them open so there's more space so if they want to double you have to come from farther away because there's they're real shooters uh and then if the center wants to double hartenstein you know it's a big difference he's not really a shooter But he has a little push shot. And more importantly, he's always moving. And if you give him the ball 10 feet from the hoop and he's open, he doesn't necessarily need to shoot it. He has the ability to take a couple of dribbles. And then once he gets position, even if it's a big, he has the kind of not really post moves, but he can finish. And he has touch in a way that that Mitch didn't. And he can hit free throws. Uh, And I think Precious fits really well with that. And it it makes it a little bit less of a concern that Precious isn't a really good shooter. But he's willing to take those. He's hit a couple. Um, you know, it, it's definitely like, you know, a break class in case of emergency. But if you have a late shot clock issue or something like that, you know, he, he has a little bit of, of, he can give you that too. So young guy, um, definitely a find in that trade, um, a precious asset perhaps going forward. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I mean, this team, it, there's just a lot to be excited about at full strength, which is why it's so frustrating to see them flounder a little bit. Um. I, I also wanted to get your thoughts. You know, Bismack Biyombo went to um, went to the Thunder. Do you put any of this a little bit on Leon Rose because they are giving Todd no. Gibson, Gibson no. minutes? No, no, nope. no, nope. no, Not finding a, a big to because nope. they're playing Todd Gibson no. minutes.
0: No, no, no. He is their fifth big. I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. Like, no GM. They they got they coming into the season. Mitch Randall or sorry, Mitch Hartenstein. Uh, Sims as our center, they go out and get precious. That's like fifth or fourth guy. So they've they have four guys on this team that can play center that are reasonable, that are reasonable options at, at bare minimum. You want them, you want me to hold Leon Leon Rose uh, accountable because he didn't get a fifth? That's fucking bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. No way. And I'm not talking like I know you're not necessarily saying that, but people that anybody that is saying that, that's fucking poor shit. Get the fuck out of my face. And you also have to assume Bismarck mm-hmm. Diambo. He does, he does he want to be what like these guys? Like, Todd knows that what as literally as soon as Hart and Shine is back and Sims is back, he's done, he's not playing, he's out of there, which is fine. He is okay with that, right? Because he understands I'm at the end of my career and I'm just doing, I think almost effectively, he's like doing T- Tom Thibodeau a solid, right? Where Tom's like, Hey, look, I just need you for. A little bit right now. He's doing them solid. He shouldn't, he wouldn't even be playing under normal circumstances. He'd just be a good pro, good vet, sitting on the bench, good practice player, whatever. Doesn't rock the boat. Um Bismack Miambo seems like he wants to play. That's everything, you know. He signed with uh sorry, I, I totally blanked out. He signed with the Thunder. Uh after this is after he signed with Memphis, was that last season? And then to start this season that he was on Memphis? Um, yeah. Like teams that were shorthanded in the front court where he knew he would get minutes. He He's not going to get minutes here after a certain point. Like at best, because of how Precious has played, you would say he has a chance to take Sims's minutes, which is not that much. And once Randall is back, once OG is back, whatever, those minutes are gone. And once Mitch is back, right? Like all those minutes are gone. So I-, I think it's a bit ridiculous, honestly, to be bitching that. Oh, why isn't he signing? Who who should he sign? Forget. Bi- okay, fi- let's just let's say Bismarck Biyombo was like, I never want to play for the New York Knicks. Fuck New York. I am never playing there. Okay, who is this other big that he was supposed to sign that we're all upset that he has not signed? I would love I to know who. Be he's too upset like.
1: about it. But has Robin
0: Lopez signed anywhere? Is Robin Lopez good? He wasn't getting be minutes for the Bucks, Gibson, and bench, probably bench. Is he? I don't know. He wasn't even getting minutes on the fucking Bucks this season, and their depth is atrocious. Their depth is atrocious. And he couldn't even get minutes for them. He, has anybody even signed him yet? Nobody signed Robin Lopez, right? He may so maybe be he just fucking sucks. <laughs> or maybe he just sucks. Maybe he just sucks. Maybe he's cooked. Maybe just like Taj. How old is Robin Lopez now? How old is he? Let's see. The Robin same same Lopez is ben 35 Lopez. years old. He's 35 years old. Todd Gibson is 38 years old. I'm sorry. I, I think neither of these options is good. I don't think either of these options is good. And if you want to go with the guy, you know, that's perfectly reasonable. I, I don't care. I am not. I'm never going to care that they didn't sign Robin fucking Lopez uh, to a 10 day contract instead of Todd Gibson.
1: Yeah, no, that's um, that's fair. Um, do you have um, do you have any thoughts on how they should use maybe the next two roster spots? They have two open roster spots now, so uh, obviously for depth, it'd be good to get someone in there. They can't bring back obviously Archie Diakono. Um, I mean, the, 13, the roster spots they have includes Jacob Toppin, right? So um, even without that, you know, I don't know if you bring up a G League guy or what. But um, do you have a? I mean, do you think? I, I don't think Lowry's going to come. I would imagine he's going to go back to Philly, but.
0: Um, I, I do, I'm unsure. Like, what what do you what, what do, can you elaborate that? Sorry. Yeah, the Knicks have two um, open
1: roster spots. You know, there's guys that are going to be available on the buyout market. You know, someone brought up Killian Hayes yesterday. I okay. don't really have much no. interest in that. Um, but do you think there's there's someone they can target on the buyout market? Chris Paul isn't getting bought out. Um, just to fill out the roster because they're clearly. So you
0: no longer you've down. given up on your pre-draft ranking on Killian Hayes. Wow,
1: didn't you have him number one?
0: Uh, <laughs> maybe. I, I think know. you wrote a
1: piece on PNT. You, I mean, we were all pretty high on him. That's why. No, no, I, no, I, no, I,
0: I didn't know. I, I didn't write anything. I didn't write anything for about Killian Hayes, but I was really high on him. But like, look, he, if you can't shoot, you can't shoot, and that's. It was. I don't know how you could have predicted he wouldn't shoot coming into the league, but. He it just and it doesn't matter at this point. He has proven he cannot shoot. He has proven this without a shadow of a doubt. He is like the the worst shooter in the league after four seasons. And he's gotten plenty of minutes. Um, I don't think he'll wash out of the league because high lateral picks usually get a chance of redemption. And he is good defensively. So I think he'll get a look somewhere else. I personally don't have any interest in him in New York. Um I don't know, man. I I just I can't I can't get excited about the bio market. Mostly because I don't think the Knicks need the Knicks just need to get healthy. To your point, like I don't. It's not that complicated. They just need to get healthy, and um, until that happens, the rest of this shit doesn't. It, it kind of doesn't matter, you know. Like it, it's it's just what it is. Um, so I, I just I, I don't know. I I guess. Where I fall on it is, like, I I wouldn't mind somebody like Gallinari. I wouldn't mind that just because I think if there is one person in this, like, buyout market that I've seen that I kind of am like, maybe if you put the right defensive personnel around him, he could be useful situationally. Gallinari feels like that's possible it might not be just to be very clear. He might be again, like he might be totally cooked. He's had a lot of injuries. He's older, whatever. Um, that's, that's probably the one guy that I'm like, maybe, maybe, but aside from that, I don't know. I, I just can't really Dylan, Dylan, Dylan Wright would probably be the other one. Uh, I think he's still a pretty decent athlete. He's a good defender at the guard position. He's always been a good defender there. That can be useful situationally. Um, so, That's but and I and I do think like just having if like if he doesn't trust Deuce, he doesn't trust Deuce, right? So if you want somebody with some decent point guard experience that's out there, at least to bring in some more internal competition, that's probably the guy, those those two would be the two that I would be interested in.
1: Right, and, and yeah, and Gallinari, obviously, he has playoff experience. Uh, obviously, familiarity with the city uh, to the extent that matters. Obviously, that was, what, 15 years ago now? Um, mm-hmm. But um, – or 14 years ago. Um, but he, he obviously can hit shots, um, can, um, you know, can create a little bit, maybe even at this age. Um, kind of going back a bit um, – but I, I would agree, there's not really a lot of appetizing options, so to speak. Um do you, um, you know, it's been two games and I have seen, um, I think it's ridiculous. So I'll say that, but have I have lost seen the trade. Some, well, Forget wins and loses, but was that necessarily the best trade they could make? Um, you know, for example, I, I don't necessarily think that this was necessarily a better option, but a guy like Gordon Hayward, if you could have gotten him for what, um, the Celtics got, um, you know, is there any buyer's remorse on your part or maybe feeling like we could have gone a different way?
0: Um, I don't know. I guess I'll throw this to you. Is there some trade that happened at the deadline that you're like, man, maybe that would have been better than what the Knicks ended up doing?
1: I, I think it's too early to say. I, I think getting two guys, first of all, like we needed bodies, right? So you had two, at least functional guys. I think Bogdanovich has been pretty good. Um, I think Burks still has showed the shot making. Like he's not washed. I think the problem is. He's not acclimated and you know like you said you need to get used to not playing on the pistons anymore hayward maybe um probably a better player when he's healthy than those two guys maybe not bogdanovich i don't know but um but probably a little bit better defender he's obviously a Tibbs guy um that's the one i think of the trades that I, i'm like mm, maybe we could have done that um
0: I I just don't really care about Gordon Hayward. Um, good player, not dependable health-wise. Uh, Bogdanovich has been more durable in his career, even into his mid-30s now. Burks has been more durable uh, over the last few years than, than Hayward. I think durability matters, especially considering the Knicks. Presumably made this move to bring in some depth in lieu of the injuries they're dealing with in the moment. Uh, um, you'd want to bring in guys that are dependable, and Gordon Hayward is not dependable. Um, I also don't know that the Knicks had a workable trade that made sense for them. Like Part of the reason they were comfortable giving up Grimes in this deal is because Bogdanovich has that extra year in his, on his contract. Um, Hayward's an expiring. That isn't obviously something that they were super enthused about. By every report, they really wanted a guy that, that was under contract for another year uh, to suit their purposes for trade down the line, potentially. He um, was an expiring contract. He went for Vasily Michich, Trey Man, and the Bertons contract. I think they got a second-round pick in that trade, too, Charlotte. What would have been a comparable path? Like, the Knicks don't have, like, I, I think there was value to Charlotte to getting Vasily Micic. I watched them last night. You can tell that they desperately needed a point guard in place of Lamelo, which with him out right now. Trey Man is just an interesting guy to buy low on, right? Just kind of like, you know, Grimes. Grimes would have been, Grimes a better prospect based on their NBA careers to date than Trey Man, But, like, similar concept. But I don't think we had a Michich guy to throw in the trade that was appealing to them, and considering the draft compensation is comparable, second round pick that that's what we gave up to to Detroit in the trade. Also, um, or a couple of second round picks. I, I don't I don't think the Hayward thing was better. I think the Knicks had a strong preference, and I, I kind of agree with them. I I prefer the Bogdanovich and Brooks move to Hayward.
1: Yeah, no, I, and I think getting two guys, like I said, helps as well. Um, looking um, looking ahead, um, you know, let's say, um, you know, let's say, I mean, at this point, given how well Cleveland is playing, I know you said you don't care that much about seeding, given the priorities, right? How big a difference do you think it is? One, I think a lot of people made, I think it's a good point, right? Um, that you have to play Boston at some point if our goal is to, to really get to the finals, if you think this is a serious team, just getting to the ECF, and just to say we got to the ECF, but lost to Boston, isn't that much more meaningful than to say we lost to them in the second round, right. But, um, you know, I, I think there is some value psychologically, probably for some of the, the players and, and all of that, that, you know, we made it further than last year, at least, right. So I, I still would like to avoid but the other part of it is given how well, Cleveland is playing. Do you think there's a huge difference? And I know we have the, you know, we beat them last year. If Mitch is back, you know, they still have to deal with him, and they did not do a good job last year. Brunson is even better. Um, you know, they 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 have more shooters now, but now the Knicks actually have OG and anobi to throw at Mitchell, so you probably don't have to help as much as the Knicks did last year um, off of the non-shooters. But I'm curious, do you think it's a big difference between playing Boston and Cleveland at this point in the second round? Because Cleveland's pretty tough.
0: Um, I think Boston is still at a higher level. I also think that they're tougher matchup for the Knicks because of some of Tibbs's uh, just the, some of the things that he's married to as a coach. I think Boston presents stuff that's trickier for you know, to match up against. But I mean, I don't know. Like, look, Cleveland's really good. I'm not trying to take away anything from them, and I think they're a legitimate threat in the East. But they're run that they've been on recently and they lost last night to an undermanned Philly team. This run they've been on recently, like I, they've played a lot of bad teams and I, like you, got, you can only beat who's in front of you. I'm not going to, like I said, I do think they're a threat in These and I do, they're definitely better than they were last season. That, that much is for sure. But like, I, I still don't put them at the level of Boston. Um, I mean, they still don't have anybody that's in their rotation. That's been in like a conference finals, right? Cleveland. I don't think anybody in that rotation has been in Oh, I guess Struz. Struz has. But aside Did from Struz, make like, it in the bubble. That no, no, was Portland, right? No. Yeah. He lost in the first round. He, he lost in the first round in the bubble. Um he blew a 3-1 lead in the bubble. Uh and um yeah, I don't know. I I, I would rather play Cleveland still pretty strongly cuz I still think when we're physically like we're at full health, I think we're still a really bad matchup for them. I don't think they can score on us consistently. Um, and I still trust our front court to push them around, bully them, however you want to put it. Like, I- I'm not that worried about that, that element of it. Maybe Mitchell is just going to be, maybe he's figured it out and he's going to dominate the playoffs. Um, I don't know. Well, he's also, I, don't, I think
1: he's better equipped to handle Brunson at least for on defense than he was like I do think there's a big difference between him I think he's better last year than he but was but I don't think and, they're gonna
0: they're not gonna put him on Brunson they're not gonna put him on Brunson for a whole series no like they, they'll. it'll be coro. and Okoro does a good job on Brunson but like the Knicks have more firepower now it's like okay you have DiVincenzo you have Brunson obviously Randall when he's back is a big deal OG is actually a consistent three-point shooter which I don't know this I can't give you a specific value to what he provides but I think the, the impact he had when he was healthy on the court, their net rating, all that stuff speaks to how much he was adding to the team. Um, and then defensively, like we're better this year than when we were last season, and we gave them hell last season defensively. And I understand, yeah, you can be like, well, they were playing on four on five. I think that's kind of bullshit, to be honest. Like, is like, I don't think Levert was treated like a total non-shooter. He played plenty of minutes in that series as the fifth guy. Um, Mobley, and Mobley is still a non-shooter. Like, it's like regular season wise, I have no questions about the Cavs. I think I picked them to finish I might have I think I picked them to finish second or third in the conference. I don't remember which. Um but like I, Mobley is not a shooter and he's going to get treated as such in the playoffs. That's going to be a problem. And that was a bigger problem to me than any of the stuff that had to do with like, oh, the none of their threes are good. Like, sure, but the biggest problem to me was that Mobley Allen frontcourt and as good as those guys are, and as good as Allen has been, especially honestly without Mobley, which says something to me, um, I just don't really worry about them. Like I, I think that is a good matchup, and that's not to say that I don't like. I don't think they're incapable of beating the Knicks. I just would feel pretty good about the Knicks' chances going into a series against them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do worry about being able to score on them still, just because their defense is that good, uh, and they're playing at an incredibly high level. Um, I think OG is going to, uh, have his hands full with Mitchell. Um, you know, I think he's a, he's a, very talented player. I think he's seeing the floor better. It'll be interesting to see if they put it, put Garland off ball even more, um, once he's back, um, but, um, so, I mean, I guess the question is how low do you think, let's say Divincenzo's out a month. Uh, let's say, you know, after the reevaluation, it's another month for Randall. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a month maybe for OG. Um, I mean, maybe OG comes back after the all-star break. I don't know what the prognosis is. How low do you think the Knicks can fall? And are you like at this point, a little bit worried about at that point about that?
0: I'm not that worried about it. They'll be fine. I think they'll at worst, I think they'll finish with the fifth seed, which whatever it would be annoying to miss that on home court, but I'm not that worried about it. Um, If you have, if you have to deal with not having home court, you have to deal with it. Home court has never mattered less in the NBA playoffs than it has the last few years. Um, yeah, um, I get healthy, be healthy for the playoffs. That's all that matters. That is really all that matters to me with this team, because if they're healthy, I think they can beat anybody in the series. I don't care if they have home court or not. Um, not that worried about it.
1: Dave, let's. You don't think there's any chance they fall the sixth seed because they do have to play Orlando, who's been playing better of late. Um, there's no chance they fall to play-in. I think that's the disaster scenario, right? But. Um, you know, the play in the the only teams that would be at Indiana's there. Right. So they're right now, three and a half games ahead of If you. if
0: I mean, if you want to move, if you want to be out, if you want to avoid the the Celtics until the conference finals, then you'd rather be the seed, actually, to be honest.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you play bucks in round one, which is also not ideal, right? That's the only
0: thing. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I I know this sounds crazy to say, but I, I almost don't mind playing the bucks. I, I, As good as Giannis is um, and Dame can be, I just think their depth is really bad. And honestly, Dr. Rivers is a terrible coach. So, yeah. I mean, like, say whatever you want about Tibbs. And I do think that the nature of the playoffs can expose his limitations more so than the regular season does. Like, I think he's better than Doc. He's a better coach than Doc. So, I would... Almost feel like you have a coaching edge in that matchup, too. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, he outcoached Bickerstaff. If you go down the list, by the way, uh, I, I, I think Missoula is a good coach and I think he's figured some stuff out. I think he, would it would be best be neutral, probably a slight coaching advantage to Celtics. Uh, I think, uh, I think Tibbs already outcoached Bickerstaff last year. Um, you know, the Bucks, the, like you said, Doc, um, You know, I think Nurse is a good coach. So I I think with the Sixers, that's probably not a coaching advantage for the Knicks, but you don't have Embiid. Um, Magic, they're probably at a disadvantage. Carlisle, I I mean, I don't think they would play the Sixers or the Pacers unless they get the three seed and the Pacers end up at six. Uh, I do worry, though, about, uh, you know, the Pacers and the Heat are there. The Heat, until, you know, until they're dead and buried, you can't really count them out. So I do get, like, if these are long injuries, particularly OG and Randall, I do get a little bit worried about the Knicks maybe even falling into that play-in, which would kind of suck. But it sounds
0: like you're not quite as worried about that. I'm not. I think they'll, they just need to get healthy for long enough, then they'll be fine. The team went, what, 13 and one after the OG trade, like, or 13 and two, when they had everybody. So, yeah, I'm not that worried about it. Um, and then you know, assuming
1: they don't win the the conference this year or make or even the championship, uh, you know they still have all their picks this summer. What? Um, but it looks like there's no stars on the move. Um, you know, it looks like Trey Young might get moved, but that just seems like it'd be an awful fit with Brunson. Um, the, the Hawks reportedly are pivoting away now to thinking about keeping Murray long term and, and trading Trey. Um, which I, I don't necessarily agree with, but I get, you know, you probably have to move one of them. Um, you know, do you have any idea what, uh, do you think that this is the, the year that the star trade happens? Uh, you know, people have talked about LeBron. Uh, I think LeBron said this week that he would sign for with two teams for less money. Um, I think most people think Dallas is one of them. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm curious, you know, do you think, or do you think that if they're good enough or if they make the conference finals, maybe they stand
0: pat? Um, LeBron, I don't look, I'm never going to believe LeBron's coming here. I'm just never going to believe it. Uh, he has never particularly demonstrated any desire to come here. Um, I think he uses the Knicks as kind of like a um I'm trying to struggling for the term here, but it's almost like a distraction. Like, oh, I'll totally go there. I'll totally go there if you don't do the things I want you to do. Um, But I don't think he wants to come here. I don't think he wants this. I don't think he wants to be here at the end of his career. He's got his entire family in LA. Um, They're building, obviously he's building some huge mansion over there. That is nearly complete. Um, I think he just wants to put pressure on the Lakers to make trades and all the indication, all of the reporting from outside out of LA is that they didn't make any trade at the deadline because they didn't see anything that was worthwhile. And they think they'd have a stronger package in the summer where they can trade when they can trade up to three first round picks. Um their pick this year, their pick in 2029, and their pick in 2031. Um, by the way, crazy that we're talking about 2031 picks and trades. Um so like I I think that's what he's pressure he is trying to put pressure on them to do, just to make moves and to be willing to put all those picks on the table. I don't think he wants to leave LA. He wants to be in, the, in, in with the Lakers. I think he wants to stay out there. And I, I don't find any reason to entertain LeBron to New York as a serious thing um, until that point. I do, again, I think he likes to have that out there. I do think he likes the attention that he gets from when he is linked to New York. We know that LeBron likes attention, and I think that's part of it for him. So, yeah, I mean, that's... That's just what I think. I could be wrong. Uh, Certainly wouldn't be the first time, but I will believe LeBron is going to be on the Knicks when he is on the Knicks. Um, Until that point, I don't really entertain it. And I think whether the Knicks believe there's a chance or not, they have not sold themselves out to make themselves appealing to LeBron. They obviously have options. If LeBron wants to come, great. We can figure something out. If he doesn't, also great. We have other options moving forward. Um, that's really they can draft the that, That's a way to make them appealing. They can draft Bronny, um, which is again they have that option. Based on what I've heard and what little and extremely little I've seen of him, drafting Bronny James might be uh, or what what the kids call a reach. Um, <laughs> Doesn't, doesn't seem like Price he's like him before a, the
1: season, but he's not. A, he's. I mean, he's a solid. I think he'll be an NBA player, but probably not ready yet, right?
0: Yeah. Well, not if, if you ask LeBron, he apparently can start for the Lakers. So, um, uh, <laughs> got that going for him. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's just, I, again, just to go back to this game though, it's like, it's just frustrating to, to lose a game like that because. Honestly, because of everything, right? Because you're like, if Tibbs is going to play guys minutes like that, you really want to win that game. It hurts to not win a game like that when when he's playing guys that aggressively. Um, so, I don't know. I just, the minutes stuff yesterday just kills me. Um, again, I will hopefully, hopefully, genuinely, it's like nothing is a long-term issue from that game last night. But it was it was tough. It was definitely a tough one to swallow. Uh, and then obviously, the, I mean, the officiating is really the the toughest part, right? Uh, by the way, I want to ask you this question. I have uh, Seth Partnow. Uh, he, he responded to me, friend of the pod, uh, on one of the things I tweeted about, uh, you know, that that charge call on Brunson I thought was a ridiculous – or the blocking call on Brunson. He was like, he's not in a legal guarding position, which I guess maybe by the letter of the law is true. I don't even think that's true, though. Like, you're allowed to be moving if you are squared up and the defender is not allowed to just lower his shoulder into your chest and knock you off. And to my knowledge, the way I look at that play, at least, it looks to me like Brunson, like, Brunson takes that square in his chest. So to me, that is a pretty, by the rules, that is at least it should, by the rules, it's at least a no-call and probably should be a charge. That's how I interpret that. And I kind of... and I also just want to say, like, Stacy, do you ever drive like five miles over the speed limit? Yeah. How often have you been pulled over for driving five miles over the speed limit?
1: Never. I don't even think I've ever been pulled over for being driving ten over. Yeah.
0: So, are you saying that sometimes authority figures can use common sense in application of rules? You would think, yeah. That's where I stand on that. Like, you can tell me the letter of the law, bullshit all you want. If you call that, like, first of all, if you were playing pickup, Brunson would not be allowed to call an offensive foul probably. But no way on earth is Brooks calling a defensive foul and everybody is just, like, cool with it. Like, that's <laughs> – you would get fucking punched in the face if you call that as a defensive foul and pickup. And sometimes that's as simple as the logic needs to be. So wait, the uh,
1: logic, right? I, the letter of the law is that because he was moving, he wasn't technically in a legal guarding position. Because I, I, don't. Yeah, even he's, know Yeah, he's he's not
0: that. established. I,
1: I don't agree with that either. I think it's. But bullshit. you still can't like extend. Ask, I don't. He, he didn't yeah. extend, but he like trucked, him, right?
0: So yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's pretty. I I just like I and also I'm just like dude. He even said like he responded to me and he was like. Look, I agree with wh- how you would want it to be called, but, like, that's not... I'm like, if you agree, then can you can we not do the, like... Well, technically... Well, actually, like, can we not do that? Like, can we not do the thing where we're like, technically, that's not a crime. Like, or technically, like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, technically, you know, a lot of things. But, come on. Like, nobody watching that game... If you're watching that game, when they called that, in your head, when, when they blew the whistle, were you not, like... Great charge, like yeah, great, great play by Brunson to take that charge. That's what you're thinking, right? And it's and then when you see him do the fucking stupid ass block call, you lose it. And and the thing that drove me nuts is he doesn't he can't see Brunson on the play, he is behind Dylan Brooks, he has no vision on Brunson at all. There's no way he is the guy that can make a call on that play. It either has to be the baseline ref, which was Ed Malloy. Or whoever the third guy in the crew was on the opposite sideline, those are the only two guys who have any chance of having an angle to make that call, and for him to call that is a joke. It really is a joke. Yeah, and, and you know, going by the the
1: refs' explanations as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if I buy Seth's argument really, um, because I, even if you're in legal guarding position, like the offensive player cannot initiate contact. Like, I mean, he, he, they can. You see that all the time, but. Like it was clearly like, I don't, did Brooks extend his arm? If he extends his arm, it's, it's over. I forget. Like, I know it was almost a shoulder yeah. blow, but if he extends, if he extends, like how many times have we seen that called on Randall? Right. It's infuriating when Randall does it, like, cause he really doesn't need to, but we've seen that called. Um, and then on another note, like going back to that last play, remember last year when RJ didn't get an and one, cause it didn't affect the shot.
0: It didn't. You're going to tell me Brunson important. affected
1: that shot by fouling him when he was Chucking it. <laughs> like, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it is kind of like as atrocious as that logic was in that moment, um, on, you know, when you played the, it was the Raptors, right? Then Scotty Barnes like grabbed his shoulder. Obviously, that affects, first of all, that was insane explanation. But it's kind of, you can see it applied elsewhere, kind of like the, the uncatchable ball rule on PI, right? Like, if, if the receiver doesn't have a chance, then I'll call pass interference. Um, if it's a blatant thing, they'll call holding maybe. But um yesterday, like that didn't affect the play, right? So um I don't know if the last two-minute report is out um yet, but that was um that's gonna be one that's talked about for a while. I mean that um you know it was it was Goble against the Lakers too. Is it or, or Goble or that's or gobble?
0: Uh Goebbels.
1: <laughs> oh uh I'm
0: not gonna touch that <laughs>
1: one. Um but um but um you know Goble it's Goble Goble, you know he was not very noble um he he made the same I knew, I knew
0: you were gonna I knew I knew you were gonna make that awful awful joke. I,
1: I wanted to go right the bad route not the uh, not the <laughs> I, w- I wasn't gonna go where you went um, but the um the the the, the Lakers Celtics game he, he missed the call. Um you know uh, on lebron the Lakers fans are still talking about that, um, and I don't know if the league office gets involved or what I think they that was the one where they issued that apology, right like, oh, we're only human blah 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 um it, but this is this is on un- i mean, have you ever seen a call like that? a missed
0: call like that or, or yeah, like I mean you're talking about the call at the end, right yeah, I'm trying to think uh. I mean, like, I, I guess one you could say that actually went in the Knicks' favor. Uh, I don't know if you remember the twenty twelve thirteen season. There was a game we played against Brooklyn. Kid hit a three at the very end, but and they called an offensive. Are f- they called a defensive foul on he it? He kicked his leg what out. You and watched. Ben Gundy was screaming. He, was, <laughs> yeah, Ben Gundy was so mad. But it was it was obvious. It should have been a def- an offensive foul. He actually missed the free throw, so I guess at least no harm, no foul on that part. Of don't it. lie. Yeah, but like, but like. I don't know, man. Like I could, you know, if if Holiday kicks his leg out in an unnatural way, and Brunson jumps the way he did and knocks him over, I and it would it would be a bad call. It would be a missed call. It should be an offensive foul. But I could understand that more than what they called. Like Brooks, or sorry, how I keep doing this Aaron Brooks Aaron Holiday thing. It's probably because Aaron Brooks played for the Rockets, but like Holiday. Isn't even asking for a foul. Nobody in the stadium is asking for a foul. Yudoka's not asking for a foul. Nobody on the fucking Rockets floor is asking for a foul. The the fans, you look at the crowd, nobody's asking for a foul. The only person that called a foul that thought it was a foul on the play is Goble. That's it. Nobody else did. Not a single other person. Um it's very, very rare that you will get something like that. I mean, that that's very unique. Uh and then the other part that like drove me pretty wild is um like look all these calls in isolation, right? The uh the overturn on the Dante foul, the three the three-point foul at the end of the first half, the Taj blocking call that they you know that should have been a charge to me. Um the Brunson getting truck sticked, like all of this stuff you can individually you could like Josh Harking smacked upside the head at the end of the first half or the end of first half or first quarter. I don't remember which one clearly should have been two free throws. Um, all of that in isolation. It's, it's not that big a deal for all of it to happen in one game. And in one game where the Rockets are taking 33 free throws to 12, even though the Knicks drove more, they attempted more shots in the paint, like everything about, the shot profile of the game said at the very least, the skew in free throw should not be 21, like plus 21 to the Rockets. And that skew given kind of the overall physicality they were allowing in the game. That's tough to accept. And it's, it's just, it's one of the worst games I've watched in terms of like discrepancy of officiating a long time. And I'm not going to go full conspiracy theorist, but the Knicks opened as I believe they were four or four and a half point favorites. Uh, Shangun gets ruled in, I ruled out. I think that gets cut to like three or whatever it was. Eventually, they ended up being a one and a half point dog, and uh, most of that, a lot of that action came in the last hour leading up to the game. Like that's not a great look. I mean, I'll, I'll read it too. This is, and I think this is pretty wild. Um, considering it's msg's in-house gambling guy every book has its own their own line so i'm not sure which one he's using and when i last checked it uh before the game Fanduel had the knicks as a one and a half point underdog i believe so but this is what alex monaco so he is um msg's uh he's an in-house gambling guy for them he runs he does that the better half hour show that they do this is what he tweeted. Uh, one of the worst officiated games I've seen in years. Didn't help that the betting line reflected Rockets had big money come in late. Line went from plus four to a pick up in the last hour. Like, again, I can't stress how wild it is that that MSG's gambling guy is tweeting that out publicly. Did he delete
1: uh, the tweet? Because I'm sure they were no, like... No, wow. it's still up.
0: It's still up. Um, so I, it's still up. So, it's. I agree with him, though. It's not a great look. Because the game really was officiated so poorly and inconsistently to the point where you're almost like, I mean, we're like, it, 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 what is going on in this game? I mean, the, the, remember that call on Precious, where he like he's literally just backing up, he's just backing up, and Shangun just drives into him and they call a foul on Precious. I'm like, I, I don't, I really don't know what he's supposed to do in that situation at all.
1: Yeah, and the, the one mistravel late was insane. Um, because, especially because he forced multiple travels, I think, from Shingun because Precious was so agile and, and moved his feet well and really had a good read on on a very talented offensive player. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this because people are talking about this in the strict court. Um, you know, and I think it's fair to be concerned at this point with how much sports are leaning into gambling. You know whether there could be detrimental impacts right one i mean it's probably not a great thing for people because it's a zero sum gambling is zero sum um actually it's negative sum for gamblers because of the rake right uh or i guess it's not called the rake in sports gambling it's called you know the fees that uh, these sports books will, will claim and all of that um but you know i know that you know I, i'm curious to your thoughts do you think there's you know are you concerned at all that Not just basketball, but other sports, where as gambling just takes a hold and the craze becomes a thing, um, you know, starts to impact everything. And and we should say that um, the NBA takes integrity very seriously. I'm not questioning that. Um, I I do think that job.
0: You know, I'll question that. I'll question that because Scott Foster is still a fucking rev. (laughs)
1: Um, The NBA definitely invests resources a lot, but I do think it's a difficult. It's more difficult with gambling, and, and I'm curious as a sports fan and as someone you know maybe you, you partake um you know does that concern you at all um with, with sports um
0: the gambling part
1: yeah long term do you think gambling will erode
0: at at sports no i mean gambling's always existed like uh, you know like it's i know it's more accessible now to everybody but like all it did was take it out of like you know black markets and put it into more above what like actual regulated and a regulated market instead of you know oh i called my barber and uh he had he knows a bookie like you know it's just it's it's above board at least optically right now they definitely need to figure out the stuff with the injury reports and like the officiating now, like you you can't solicit gambling the way that the NBA and the NFL have done and not be better with your officials. Like your officials have to do better. They have to do better. Um, Like I think for the most part in the NFL playoffs, like, yes, I will go. I will forever believe that Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs get a great whistle, but I think in the playoffs in general, the NFL does a good job of like their refs for the most part are just like, let they like, let the players play and figure it out. I don't think they have a, a a problem of like, there's generally not too much extreme favoritism in the playoffs. That's what I'll say. I think NBA refs have way more of a direct impact on the outcome of games. Um, And I think that happens consistently. And and I think they're worse at their jobs, honestly, than NFL refs. Like, I, I really do. Uh, the NFL refs are not great, but I think they're better on on the whole than the NBA. The NBA refs are there's terrible. There's a lot.
1: There's a lot more ambiguity, right? I think like block charge is
0: probably the most difficult call for NBA refs. So I get that. Um, What's the, what? What are, what are the only ju- like the only real judgment calls in football are pass interference, defensive holding, and and offensive holding. Right. Everything else is kind of like roughing the passer and roughing yes those are four those are the four but like everything else is mostly like so they might not consistently apply them right like ineligible man downfield that might not be consistently applied but there is a letter of the law definition of like what is an ineligible man downfield you know like what's a pick play what are there is actual definitions for this stuff the nba to your point everything is so subjective and and you don't know and and again the issue is not that right you can deal with This crew tonight's going to call this game tight, whereas the crew we have tomorrow, they're probably going to let a lot of things go. Like You can deal with inconsistency like that. It just has to be applied consistently in the game that you're playing. So if you're going to call it tight, call it tight both ways and call it tight the entire way. That's fine. At least you know what to expect, right? What was infuriating about yesterday's game is you're calling it one way for the Rockets, and then you're calling it another way for the Knicks. You are playing at such a disadvantage like that when you're when you're operating like that, that it, I don't know. Like again, it just felt like the Knicks totally got screwed yesterday. I, I don't know how anybody could watch that game and think otherwise. They they really got fucking screwed yesterday, and it sucked because they put a lot into that game. Um, but to go back to the gambling part of it, like it's not going anywhere. Whether like it, that's the reality. So the the NBA has to clean up everything around it. Like you've got to be you've got to have actual repercussions for these refs. When they perform poorly, there needs to be repercussions for that. Whether that maybe maybe that means you demote them down to G League uh, assignments and promote somebody from the G League, maybe that's what it is. I'd be fine with that. That would at least now you're you're creating um, some type of like actual punishment for when you are subpar at your job. You don't just get to oh well we made a bad call, moving on with our lives now. Like that's not enough. I'm sorry, players and coaches. And GMs have like real things at stake here for them, like coaches and and GMs, right? In terms of employment, players in terms of their next contract. And then when you're soliciting, you know, gambling markets out of it too, and trying to you know bring that money in, you need to be really on top of who is doing a good job of calling games and who's not. And then the other part is, you know. Like you, the injury report stuff at this point is just ludicrous. Like you have to find a better way to do this because again, if you're going to take money to create betting markets, like there needs to be clarity on that stuff or there needs to at least be like a very defined thing of, we have to know like three hours before a game you got to tell us is this guy playing or not like this, this stuff of like game time decision and all last minute scratch. And all of a sudden you'll wake up on like a, a Tuesday. And for no reason at all, the Lakers have decided that Anthony Davis and LeBron James are sitting, even though they're perfectly fine. Like you can't have that stuff that needs to be much more transparent and there needs to be a lot more consistency in how it is. Isn't there an
1: element of games and shit there though? I mean, Tibbs loves to keep people guessing, right? And you could argue that's a competitive advantage independent of gambling and all that. So,
0: yeah, but Tibbs, you also know Tibbs is going to play. Like, if, if guys are healthy, they're going to play. So, yeah,
1: but I'm saying, do you think there really are no true game time decisions? Or like they know for sure three hours in advance?
0: If it's a game time decision, it's usually based on your pregame workout, right? Yeah, I believe so. So then just make them do the pregame workout sooner. I don't see the issue there. That should be fine
1: yeah i mean they might want a little more you know every hour maybe counts for recovery time and all that right so um i do think probably you need more transparency to the league uh, in terms of that um so i definitely agree and it is an issue um and um but i mean i I, and i also hope that um you know i hope they, they put in safeguards and you know they have all these gambling warnings and all that but like like not to I saw on Instagram one of my friends like she has a two or three year old kid and uh, she said oh it's the baby's first prop sheet right for the Super Bowl and I was like a little bit like yeah you know I mean that's always a thing right you have the squares and all of that um, but it does seem like it's getting a little bit out of control um, moving you switching gears a little bit um, so I think we there's not really much to say about the Magic game they're a good team Bronze usually gives us problems. It's probably, you know, if they want to rest, I don't, I don't think Hartenstein should come back. If Brunson is feeling remotely not okay, you know, he's going to play in the All-Star game, I, I'm fine with with letting him rest. Um, but, um, you know, looking forward, I'm curious. Um, so the Knicks do, were, had two players named the All-Star. When was the last time they had two players named the All-Star
0: team, by the way? Um, Sorry, when was the last time the Knicks had two players named the yeah. All-Star team? Don't make me do this. It's Tyson Chandler and Melo. Oh, really? Your favorite Knicks of all time? Yeah, my uh, two favorite. My favorite era, really, of Knicks basketball ever. I'm
1: curious how much has happened ever. Um, let's see. So it's, 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 it's here. Uh, they had 2012, 2013, 2000, 2001. Um, I'm
0: sure you can guess who those two were. It's to the, uh, that sounds about right. Houston Sprewell, right? Yeah. Yep. Um,
1: and then 93-94, they had three, actually. That was that was Oakley, Ewing, Starks? Yep. 88-89. Ooh, I f- did not Ewing remember that this-
0: And Ewing and... Hold on, let me think, let me think. Ooh, wait a second. It's not King. King's gone by then. Ewing and Mark Jackson?
1: Yeah, good call. I did. I forgot he was an all-star. Uh, And then in the 70s, there were a bunch. Uh, 79 80 was Cartwright, Michael Ray Richardson. 76 77, Bob McAdoo, Earl Monroe. Uh, Fraser Monroe, 74 75, Debusher Fraser, 73 74, 72 73, um, Bill Bradley, Debusher Fraser. Uh, And then before that, it was a lot of years. But um, but it's pretty cool to see that happen. It's only the third time in the last, in in this millennium, that they've had multiple all stars. Um, So I imagine. You know if Brunson wants to rest up for that. Like, fine. Um, but um, but I'm curious if you have. So Brunson is also competing in the three point contest. Um, do you have? So I'll, let's. Who I'm curious to hear picks for these. So starry three point contest. Let's start with that. Uh, the competition is Beasley, Brunson, Halliburton, Lillard, Lowry, Markkinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carlin, Towns, Trey Young. So there are multiple guys that we would hate to see Brunson lose to. <laughs> do you have a pick in that event? Uh, Steph, right? No, he's not competing. He's doing the thing with Sabrina, um, UNESCO. So he's not competing in the main three-point contest. Uh, Brunson, Beasley,
0: Brunson, Beasley,
1: Halliburton, Lillard, Trey Young, Carl Anthony Towns, Mitchell, and Lowry Markin. Oh.
0: I think, I think I'm, I'm going to go Cat. I think I'm going to go Cat. Yeah, really. Yeah, just I think done. I like well, Cat on this. He, he shoots an easy... He shoots like a pretty... He's got a quick release. He shoots an easy ball. I can see him being like really, really excited about the three-point contest. I don't know. I think I, I could see Brun, I, Brunson... I, I don't see Brunson winning it. I just feel like this is not... He's great
1: pulling feels like, up and off balance, but yeah, like stand still.
0: I you know what if if he could have randall just pass him the ball from the track, I would be like I would be like, no, he's winning it. He's actually not gonna at a it. thousand miles so, per hour, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I yeah, I don't think Bunsen won it. Mitchell, I could see cat. I feel like Mitchell, cat, Dame Markinan. are the I, I'm gonna be honest, I've not watched Markin enough in my life to feel strongly about like how will he shoot off of a rack? You know what I mean? That's a different thing than than just shooting an NBA game. So just based on what I've seen, I'll would, I would say those would be my three favorites. But I kind of like Cat.
1: Yeah, no, I think Cat's a good call. Uh, obviously, one of the best shooters. as a big man. Very easy ball. Um, Halliburton is, uh, sorry, in advance, I, I think Halliburton has a good chance because I think just the way his his set shot actually, I think, translates pretty well to this. Uh, It's a slower release, but I don't think I've ever seen someone run out of time. Um, Now, if it feels rushed, maybe he shoots worse, Um, but I think he's someone to check out. I think Dame has competed in this before, right? So to the extent that you value experience, maybe that matters, but I think Kat's a good, good guess. Um, Do you have a, do you think Steph wins or do you think Sabrina, Sabrina Ionescu beats him?
0: I would be lying to you. If I said, I have enough knowledge of Sabrina Ionescu to, to, Make a, any type of judgment on a competition we need to, do. but my assumption is Steph Curry is the greatest shooter ever, and I will just roll with the greatest shooter ever because of that. But it'd be cool if Sabrina beat him. It'd be cool if Sabrina beat him. But although I know that at NBA Twitter, if he loses to Sabrina, will uh, show some of its worst, the worst sides of it um, in many ways. I'm I'm certain of that.
1: Yeah, uh, and then the Knicks do have. I I agree. Um, I think. He is, uh, she's, she's a very talented shooter, um, extremely talented. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. It's, a, it's good for the game. Um, but um, I've watched, you know, Steph is Steph. So if she beats him, then she deserves uh, all the accolades. Um, and then there's the dunk contest where the Knicks do have a player. And he has the same name as the last time the Knicks had a player in the dunk contest who won. And that is Jacob Taupin, uh, friend of Draft Strickland uh, and Prez. Uh, has been on the pod, um, and the other contestants are Mac McLung, which I I don't think they should be doing that. Um, I I would love to see the dunk contest come back in full effect. Um, I remember in when I was in college um, when the Dwight Howard Superman thing came back, and um, you know, and Dwight Howard, you know, like I remember like my roommates were not big NBA fans. They're like, why are you watching the dunk contest? And even they were into it because um, it was just really cool to see you know the showmanship and some of the dunks he did were just incredible. But it's Jalen Brown, Jaime Jaquez, McClung, and Jacob Toppin. I don't think we've really seen Jacob Toppin have many dunks. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I think that's a pretty... Brown is athletic, but not like a crazy dunker. Jaime Jaquez is pretty athletic and he's a creative guy, so maybe he'll come up with something uh, fun like that. But you think Toppin has a
0: chance there? Um, (laughs) Again, I don't know anything about Jacob Jacob Toppin's... uh... Dunk package, but Paws. like <laughs> that's not a pause. I said dunk package. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, but like honestly, can I can't. Just I don't care about the dunk contest. Isn't that awful? Like I just don't care that about sucks. it. It's, yeah, just, that's what I'm saying. It sucks. I mean, did you brutal, watch that like, Dwight Howard one? God, yeah. Did I watch it? I was fucking hammered uh, watching <laughs> that one. Uh, yeah, that was him and Nate, right? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Definitely uh, in a very clear state of mind watching that back in the day. Uh, yeah, well, this this was is the good. first year. There was the the Superman one. I don't think
1: Nate was in that. Um, oh, you're right. You're right. That was the second time. Yeah. Nate won it. And like I remember I had a friend who was like, Rudy Fernandez should have won. I was like, no.
0: Um, Nobody cares. But also the <laughs> Nate one was so stupid because he got to do the dunk like 25 times. You're like, dude, enough. Like, can you just do a different dunk? Do a different dunk. <laughs> please for the love of God, do a different dunk uh yeah it just sucks that the dunk contest is now like what it's become uh it's not like a the main guys don't want to do it you know it'd be awesome if you got the top guys in the league the real hot flyers it to do it, that LeBron but never did don't it. Do
1: it like um like i think it was actually really shitty like uh, of all of the comment, i think a lot of skip bilis's criticism of lebron like much of what skip Ellis says is Stupid, but the one thing that I was kind of like, he kind of was a He's like, yeah, like you're going after MJ's legacy. Like, why not have an iconic dunk contest moment, right? Um, I, I, I'll. Do you think it, we would ever have a situation where you could have like a one-on-one tournament?
0: No, do the play if the players won't do a dunk contest, there's zero chance they're going to be like, let's do a one-on-one tournament. But there's not a serious risk of injury there, right? It's not about injury. It's about they don't want to be embarrassed. embarrassed. That's what it is. You know that's what it is. Like, that's exactly what it is. There's there's no upside to them to do it. And the NBA won't incentivize it enough for it to matter. Like, if the NBA was like, we'll give the winner $10 million, yeah, sure. Maybe you get a lot. You'd probably get a lot of guys that are, that want to do it. But they're not just going to do it. First of all, the NBA is not going to put up $10 million for it. Second, I, and I'm like, I, genuinely, because you, if you did a one-on-one tournament, you'd want the best players to be in it, right? That's You wouldn't want to see Bones
1: Highland play. against Cam Thomas? No.
0: But like that's that's why you would do this, right?
1: Like to 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 have the Yeah, best like players. I man, imagine if like Brunson got to go one-on-one against like
0: Kyrie Irving or something, right? Or like yeah. KD so, against so, Kawhi, right? So yeah, so 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 the point is like if you if if you want the best guys to do it, you really got to elevate the purse or something like that. Like it can't be a million dollars. It's got to be like something where they're like fuck it, like I'll 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 do it. I'll do it. Like 10 million. 10 million I think like you'd get guys to do it. But they're not going to do that. And uh, and for that reason, the players will never do it. So for it's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, for that <laughs> reason, they're out. Uh, I actually wanted to talk about something uh, before we get out of here that's completely unrelated to the Netflix. I guess I did want somewhat to somewhat tangentially. Yeah.
1: B- sorry, before, do you have a pick for the actual All-Star game? <laughs> I don't give a
0: shit. <laughs> I could care less. I genuinely don't care. Um, yeah, okay um i don't the I, i'll be I'll, I'll i'll put my hands in there i haven't watched the all-star game and like i think the last time i watched the all-star game was when i went to the all-star game which was See, about yeah. a decade ago now um it's a terrible product i have no interest in watching it and i think people that like watch it and get mad that nobody is trying are extremely weird like they're not going I to try. they
1: tried harder a little bit with the elam ending so i think that helps but
0: yeah but it's it's like so much it's so like for 42 minutes the game is like Whatever. Lay ups and dunks, and then, yeah.
1: So, um, I think it's better than the Pro Bowl, though. But, uh, but yeah. I have, Go I, ahead. Sorry, I don't. You want to talk? I, about have, it? I don't think I've ever watched the
0: Pro Bowl. Actually,
1: pretty sure I've never watched
0: the entire Pro Bowl. My entire Pro Bowl.
1: I think I watched yeah. it when I was a kid once with like McNabb, and I was like, "Why are there no sacks? Why are they not trying?" It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna lay out, lay someone out
0: in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> well, Sean Taylor did. Sean Taylor laid out uh, Brian Mormon once. Uh, that was pretty pretty epic. Check that RIP. out if you've never ever seen it. Uh, yeah. Um, so the Mavericks made a couple of, uh, aside from the Knicks, they were the uh, other very active team on deadline day. They traded a 2020, so they get they gave up a 2028 pick swap to OKC to get a 2020, 2024 first, which they sent out to Washington for Daniel Gafford. They also traded out a 2027 first and Grant Williams, who they had signed this past offseason to Charlotte for PJ Washington. I watched their game against OKC. They were really, really good in that game. I didn't watch their game last night. By the looks of it, they look, they beat the Wizards, but obviously they it was not a spectacular performance or anything. They did get a really good game out of Gafford, not so much from PJ Washington, whatever. I think there's a fair argument to be made, and I think this is true that they are better after this tr- these trades than they were before. I think that is true. I suspect that Grant Williams was very annoying in that locker room, um, and and PJ Washington will fit in better for a variety of reasons. I also think I, I know that Grant Williams shoots a pretty good percentage for his career from three, and PJ Washington maybe isn't even as good as him percentage wise. But I think he's a shooter. PJ's, yeah. PJ's peaks as a val, uh, as a as a shooter, I feel like, are a lot more game changing than what potentially game changing than what Grant Williams can give you even at his best when he's shooting from three, um, and I think you know we we now have pretty solid evidence that Luca is best when his role man is a true role man that's a real lob threat and is not you know a Porzingis pick and pop or pick and roll to my spot at the elbow type player, um, so getting Gafford feels like a good good move there for them as well. Um obviously they got Kyrie last year which cost them a first in 2029 20, and some other swaps. They're pretty much out of picks until this summer when they can trade. I think they'd be able to trade after the draft this year assuming they convey their pick. They'll be able to trade 2025 20, 2031 20, and a swap, maybe they have another first somewhere. I don't know. They're pretty leveraged out, though. Is my point. And I was, I, 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 I don't know that I agree with making the moves they made at the deadline. And I don't agree with trading for Kyrie for a lot of reasons. But how do you feel about the argument that at some point? You can't keep using the like yes, they obviously fucked up letting Brunson walk. I think it's obvious they fucked up trading for Porzingis for what they got for him. Um I think I think they fucked up the initial fuck up to me is even training for Porzingis. So whatever, you want to talk about those past mistakes they've made. I think that's fair game. At some point you can't keep using the past fuck ups to to like Shit on what they're trying to do currently Because essentially what they're trying to do is Salvage a competitive roster Around Luka So in that Sense given what their roster Is now Do you think that Let's let's Kind of like put the Brunson free agent Thing As a line of delineation Do you think from the point on of Brunson Leaving their team to where they are now that their overall maneuvering and free agency and trades and all that and what they've sacrificed out the door. And also they gave up a 2030 unprotected pick swap in the Grant Williams sign and trade this summer. So they're very leveraged out in terms of their picks and all that stuff and their control of their own draft capital. Do you think that using that as a clear line of delineation that where they are now, if you were a Mavs fan, you would be, Okay with this because you're just like well we have Luca it is worth taking these risks because like you don't get an opportunity of having this level this level of a talent and when you do you have to be willing to move as many chips as possible to make their prime worth it. So what what was the actual Kyrie how much how many did they trade for him how many picks they traded two first and a picks or a a first and a pick swap I'll, I'll look it up right now.
1: Yeah. So I think given
0: the cost and uh, I, the risk. The, the, uh, the- so it's sorry. It's this is what it is. It's they gave up Dinwiddie, who cares? Finney Smith, a 2029 first round pick and two second round picks in 2027 and 2029. Then they gave up a 2030 pick swap in the Grant Williams sign trade. They gave up a 20-27 first in the PJ Washington trade. And they gave up a 2024 first and a 2028. They They effectively gave up a 2028 pick swap. Get Daniel Gafford. Yeah, so um, you know they got they
1: got a second creator, right? Which every champ, I don't care how good you are, you need a second creator. And the risk with Kyrie Irving was never his talent, right? Um, You know, he's shown it in the playoffs. He's first for a not particularly big guard. He's a pretty solid defender in the playoffs. Um, Thought he did a good job on Steph in the finals. You've seen him in Brooklyn make play well. You know when he played. Um, and you know it's it's worked. The pairing has worked. You know he's a ball dominant guy next to Luca, but when those two play together, they have a plus seven point one nine net rating this year uh, in six hundred fifty three minutes. Um, they actually have a higher rating with Kyrie on and Luca off than the reverse. It's five point one nine. But they allow you to they you know they have a coach who, who staggers them um, in kid. Uh, so that I think that was a I, I, like for for what they gave up to get him. Uh, you you do that, and then the next thing is if you're leveraged out now, you say, well, you can't really. A, it's tough to add young talent. And B, um, you can't. Um, you know, you can't trade for a star. Let me ask you this: Do you think a third star is really what that team needs?
0: A third star? No. Yeah. I think I you mean, have so she- much usage tied up with Kyrie and Luca that really what you just need is like like this is the hard thing with Luca is I. I don't know that he's necessarily selfish. I think he plays a brand of basketball that if you are leaning into it, which is fine, if you think he's worth it because of his extremely high talent level, I think that's a reasonable, obviously, uh, way to go about things. you got to really understand who thrives playing that way. Brunson was special playing off of him because Brunson can play off of Luka and he can wait around for 10 seconds, get a kick out, knock down a three, or, you know, obviously isolate and score himself. He was a very, very good fit next to Luke. was a mistake, and it's one they fixed by going out and getting Kyrie. Like, at some point, again, I, that's kind of my my point is, like I don't know where to stop. Is it fair to keep criticizing them for the Brunson stuff when maybe they've learned from that, and they're like, fuck it. Like, we've got to just keep trying to add talent around this guy, and, and you know what? We did fuck up with Brunson, so let's just go get – Another guy who profiles very similar to Brunson and Kyrie, who has experience playing off. Like we know, Kyrie was awesome playing off LeBron. Pretty good bet that he'd be awesome playing off Luca, right? Makes sense. Um, but like, yeah, to your point, I don't think they need another, a third star. I think they need guys who can operate in the lower usage roles, add value on def- on defense, um, can attack closeouts, and can knock down threes. That's basically what they need. They don't need a lot more shot creation now. If a guy like Jaden Hardy or Josh Green can pop as like a quickly level type of like, hey, you can be our second creator, third creator, whatever, at various points, that would be a huge help for them. And I I think maybe they, they probably need one more guy who can run a pick and roll type of level creation in a pinch. But I don't I I don't think they need a third star. I just think they need to fill out their, their roster now with plus I don't want to say three and D guys, but like guys who can spread the floor, tack closeouts, and just are versatile defensively.
1: Yeah, and, and building around Luca is a lot like building le- around LeBron in that sense. Um and so I'll sit I mean, the only two s- star level guys who I think would be fits um, would be one, um Larry Markinen um who i I think is a little bit underrated as a defender you know i I watched a lot more of him when the knicks were you know when we were interested in maybe making a trade for him and um the other guy um uh, michael McHale bridges right although right now by all accounts the asking price is exorbitant but you're you're right right with you have luca so that you just need guys around him he is kind of and that's what they've leaned into um, and for, you know, for all the concerts, they are the eighth seed in the West, but they're 31 and 23. So it's not like they're, they're a poor team uh, or, or performing poorly. Um, I am a little bit worried about them being able to add young talent, maybe. Um, that's probably, you know, if you're leveraged out. That's almost maybe a worse loss. Um, but you have to look at it and say that they, they can't waste Lucas Prime. Um, he is, uh, he after this year, he's two more years on his contract and then a player option. So if you really want, that is basically the same situation the Donovan Mitchell was in when he was traded. Um, So, you know, they're under the gun a little bit um, and he's still in 24, but you know, you can't waste and he's putting, he's putting up 34, eight and seven. Um, I, I do think that at some point they will have to figure out a way to, you know, to diversify how they use him. Um, You know, using him a little bit more off wall. I don't, I haven't seen them run like a Kyrie Luca pick and roll with Kyrie as the ball handler, but Luca should be able to do that. Whether he can pop you know, just his ability to operate in chaos and make reads. You know, like he sees the floor so well. Um, Using up a little bit more, like Jokic, could be interesting, right? With Especially with his strength. I don't know that he can ever play the five, but using him as kind of a inverted um, guy. There are some more things that I think you'd like to see from them, and I think that's the real needle mover at this point. And if they never do that, then I don't think that there is a move out there, like in terms of bringing in another star that was really going to just that was really going to make them greater than the sum of the parts. So since then they've basically done what they've had to do. I don't think it's been anything special um, as much as I hate it. I'm um, like tanking last year at the end was the right move. Uh get them a solid big and Derek lively. So they have some depth. They have, I think PJ Washington is a good fit. There um, can stretch the floor, can post up, can can score a little bit on his own versatile defender allows you to have some lineup flexibility. Um, so I, I, I really, um, yeah, I, I think that they're leveraged out. It's a risk, but you you can't – it's not like – it isn't even the situation the Knicks are in where they have Brunson for another year, but it's a cheaper contract. They're paying Luka Max. He is arguably the best player in the NBA. I think there's a real case for that um, right now, um, given what he's doing this season. And um, and this isn't going for it. But I also think it's better than if they just went for it by trying to add a big name, like a wash – like. I think this is better, for example, than like if they had tried to like add DeJounte Murray or something, right? A bigger name, better player than anyone they got. Um, but they, they added more pieces, they have depth, um, and they have another guy who can both share the lord with Luca, like and um, and carry the bench units. And you know, I don't think they're the best team in the West, but they have the ability if they keep playing this way to make a little bit of a run. And and the West is competitive, so maybe you fall short, but I, I don't know that I don't know that they had a whole lot of other options right um i do think the one thing is like if you want to get to that next level you probably do have to hold luke a little bit more accountable and tell him like look you're a godsend to this franchise but these are not two all-star players who you didn't quite make it work with you have made it work with Kyrie, so maybe that shows a little bit of change but to get us to the next level you're gonna have to figure out what things you can do that are a little bit different to make that work so um all in all i i would say it's um maybe I'd give them a B since since the Brunson thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough to like really sharply criticize them.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm guilty of this too. And like, look, it's, the thing is, this is something we've yeah. talked about with with regards to our front office where we give them credit for like, hey, when they make a bad decision, they don't stay married to it, right? They are, They find a way to pivot and they turn it into something else. Now you can say that, Dallas, actually, I'll I'll give you a comparison. When the Knicks built that 2011-12 and 2012-13 rosters, I thought they actually had a lot of good talent identification. They found value on a lot of underrated pieces and whatever. The issue was they gave up value on the margins in almost all those moves. And down the line, it comes back to bite you because you just have less and less assets. To, to put in trades and you have less margin for error to make moves. And, and all of a sudden you can't make moves because you don't have the assets for it. I think the issue for them after letting Brunson walk, isn't that they've pivoted into adding more pieces. Obviously you have to do that. I think it's that I don't like the value necessarily outgoing in each trade. They're also in a tough spot where it's like, I mean, look, this is probably part of the reason they were, they did decide just fuck it. Let's go get Kyrie is because they were like, fuck it. Like, this guy's an all NBA guard who has the talent to be the second best guy in a championship team. We know this. Yeah, he's unstable. Yes, he might be saying and uh, disseminating strange documentaries that are uh, not great on his <laughs> personal time. But like, but this is. But we had the opportunity to get him because of all that stuff at a discounted price. Let's do it. Um, in terms of pure value, you know the pick and two second rounders and Finney Smith and Dinwiddie for Kyrie. I, I don't think anybody would say like, wow, what an incredible massive haul they gave up for Kyrie. That's not the criticism of that trade. PJ Washington, is he worth a first round pick and, and whatever else they gave up? I'll, I'll look it up. But like, you know, I, I, I would say I don't personally think he's worth the first round pick, but they are betting that he can get, like he will be good enough in their context to be worth that. I think that's possible. There's a world where, for sure, like PJ Washington is a guy whose talent at times, like, you know, you catch PJ Washington on the right night, it's hard not to, like, be impressed, right? It's hard not to think, man, if this guy could put it together, he could be a real difference maker for a team. So it's not a crazy bet. Um, and then it's it was Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and the first round, and a 2027 first, by, by the way. That what was did they trade, trade for Grant Williams? He, I, a twenty thirty unprotected pick swap, yeah. So and yeah, I mean Bullock and Bullock went out to a, another team, um, and then, and then uh, the last part is just that. You know, i I don't know that the Gafford the Gafford trade like is he worth the twenty twenty eight unprotected pick swap? Who knows? I mean, a lot of that is banking on. If Luca is there, he probably will justify that value. If Luca leaves, it could be pretty bad. That could be pretty bad. And like that, I think, is really the, the ultimate bet they're making, is they're betting that they will be good enough and they will add enough talent around him with what they are able to trade in the interim period between now and whenever Luca could or would or maybe should look to leave, um, that, that he won't and that he'll stay and so a lot of this is just tbd uh i don't love how leveraged out they are but i do think it's fair and i I think there's a lot i've seen a lot of pushback from Avex fans I, i i agree with it um in terms of like again you just can't it at some point you can't keep using past mistakes to either one avoid making future moves and two for critic critics of them to keep harping on and i do think like i'm guilty of like continuing to harp on like oh my god they lost Jalen Brunson for nothing. Oh my God! They gave away Kristaps Porzingis for basically nothing. Like, at some point, you got a front office has to move on, right? They time time moves on. So like, you have to continue to evolve and make moves. You can't be scared. You can't operate out of fear. Um, and I do think it's to some extent they they deserve some credit. And also like, let's be fair, Derek Lively looks like a phenomenal pick, and they did a, a good bit of maneuvering to get him, right? Like they. They moved down in the draft. They took on the Rashawn home salary, which they were able to get off of to get uh, Gafford. And um, and and he looks like a great pick. And they at least got a free bite at the apple with, uh, what's his name, Olivier Maxence Prosper. I have no thoughts on him. I don't know anything about the draft. I know he hasn't done much yet in the NBA, but he's a rookie. So it's not like the, the book is closed on him or anything like that. Yeah, he has time to prosper. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think we're in agreement there. Uh,
1: Before we get out of here on a completely different topic, uh, was was there anything else basketball related you want to talk about?
0: Uh, I don't know. Not not unless you do.
1: No. Uh, So there was an important game on Sunday um, that happened. Uh, I'm not talking about the NBA games. Um, There was the Super Bowl. Um, What were your thoughts beyond seeing maybe your most hated player win another ring and – Close the legacy gap, potentially, to Brady, and who I'm sure you're a big fan of. Uh,
0: My my thoughts were that uh, I'm very, very impressive uh, standout performance from Donovan Smith, who led the league in holds last year, to be able to control Nick Bosa. Very, very impressed by how he was able to manage that. What a job by him. Very legal. Everything is on the up and up. No, in all seriousness, I thought it was a great game. I think Kyle Shanahan really, I think he pissed away that game, man. I didn't like the way they came on the second half. They had so many opportunities to go up three scores that they just did not capitalize on. The CMC fumble, I don't really care about it. Like CMC played a great game aside from that. I think he had 160 all purpose yards. He made plays before and after that opening drive fumble um you know Debo gave them nothing and and I and, and to be fair Trent McDuffie played like a fucking superstar in that game he had him absolutely locked up that was really impressive um he's a stud complete all pro also just phenomenal coverage by Mahomes on Debo Samuel um I think Spags has established himself as the like if Belichick is the Goat defensive mastermind game planner of all time. Spags is he might be two. I mean, I think he is two. What it, is his fourth Super Bowls now? This is his fourth Super Bowl, correct, as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, he is he also, I
1: believe, went to the Super Bowl with Andy Reid in Philadelphia as the um, his whatever position coach he was. He obviously wasn't the coordinator. Was he a DB's
0: guy? Was he, was he, he a defensive back DB. guy? Or was he a, yeah. Um, yeah, so he, coached, he coached
1: like Dawkins and all those guys, right? So, so he's he's Johnson Tree, Jim Johnson Tree. Yeah, he was. I mean, Jim Johnson was the Blitz guy, right? So, um,
0: well, yeah, like well, so, so that's and that's the other thing that was really cool about this game. They went Cover Zero and Cover One. Like they were constantly daring uh, San Francisco to beat them in man, and they made the bet that you can't do it. Um, and even and with all those bet, really
1: I mean, good I, receivers. Like Debo Jennings yeah. played an awesome game. Ayuk. Yeah. So uh, plus Kittle. I mean Kittle, they completely shut down.
0: Yeah, I, I and I gotta say, I they they, you get, they deserve credit for shutting down Kittle. But Shannon does such a he 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 does he never consistently gets Kittle going in the passing game. I think that's always been a weird thing with Kittle, which is also why if you've ever had George Kittle in fantasy, he is the most annoying fantasy player of all time. Um, but again, I just think Shannon called a fucking. I, that to start the second half, he comes out. I think they, they threw the ball eight times on their first nine plays out of the half. That just feels like not great. Um, well, I
1: mean, so people made the argument he's trying to rest McCaffrey for the stretch. He's still at 30 touches in the game, although that includes overtime. So,
0: um, yeah, and I, I just think that, um, I don't know. I, I'm not a Shannon guy, so I'm always going to be biased on this. I just think that he—he he really, I think he choked that game away again. I—I um, I have a tough time killing him for going for the field goal in overtime. Do you four think all four of four the? Tough?
1: Do you think all of the backlash on choosing to keep the? I mean, forget about knowing the rules yes. and all of that. You think it's warranted? Because, like, Bill Barnwell, I think, yes. did a simulation and he said it's basically
0: even. There's a yeah, slight. But, 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 but it's not a simulation. You're playing it's Mahomes. Mahomes. It's Mahomes. So, like, to me, that's a mistake because you want you want to know exactly what you need to do to win the game, tie the game, whatever, right? So, oh, uh, they scored a touchdown, but they went for one. So now you have the opportunity. If you scored, if you go down and score a touchdown, you can win the game. You have a chance to win the game. He and he didn't even seem to be like I don't know. He, his awareness of that was just so weird that I don't know what to say. Do
1: um, you think there's an argument that the Chiefs' defense was tired and so was his, so maybe there's an advantage to that?
0: But your offense can get tired too. I never understand that argument. I'm like, I mean, I get it, but I'm also like, yeah, but I don't know. To me, I, I don't, I don't feel like Shanahan was doing some like 5d chess i think he was just like i want the ball because it's good to have the ball first and overtime. and his answer after the game seemed to indicate that he didn't know kind of the different rule and i mean his players straight up said it like and I, i honestly i don't think it matters if your players know or don't know to be completely honest as long as you as the coach know then it's fine but he didn't seem to know that's that is the issue
1: yeah, um, that is that is pretty concerning. I think it's pretty uh, ironic. So go, go ahead, sorry.
0: I was just saying, and I think, by the way, like we didn't mention it, Trent McDuffie. Was like, Chris Jones. Like, I saw somebody, uh, a Bills guy I followed, a tweet this out yesterday. He's like, the difference between the Bills and the Chiefs is he was like in the playoffs. He's like for the Bills, Maho-, like Allen shows up, and then he was like for the Chiefs, Mahomes shows up, Chris Jones shows up, and like Spagnuolo shows up, and. That's I mean uh, Mahomes look you win three Super Bowls you get the credit ultimately like end of the day I'll I'll shit on him but right there's no question right now who the best quarterback of this generation or whatever it is I think people need to really pump the brakes on he's better than Brady or he's better than Brady ever was people have this vision of Brady as like this checkdown artist and I just I'm like I don't think you guys actually well early like, in his I, I feel career, like he was a Brady. little
1: bit early in his career the first couple of Super Bowls those were a Belichick defenses right his first Super Bowl was twenty to seventeen. Um yeah, but they they put they
0: put up 32 on Carolina and they put up 27 on the Eagles. Like they're not like they were like was, I think it
1: was 24, 21. But yeah, like I, I it wasn't checked down, but he was like he didn't turn into like like when it was when he got moss that it really was like, Oh wow, like he's a superstar. You know what
0: I mean? It was still like yeah, it was he, still he more like have a number one receiver. Yeah, he, he didn't Troy have a number Brown. one receiver until then. Yeah, like he had, like David Patton, Rashake Caldwell, Troy Brown. Come on. Um but like He's, he's the best of this generation for sure. Um, and then it's like, you know, however you want to order it, Brady, Montana, him, like those are the top three, I think for as, time being. Um, but like, I you, think you that's up I think, like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yeah. I've, he's a better playoff performer than Peyton for sure. Like uh, Peyton great, right. Maybe the greatest regular season player ever, but playoff wise, his resume is not inspiring. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think that's, uh, he, like, Mahomes is great. He did not win the Super Bowl by himself. And I think it's worth saying, like, people, like, I don't know when this started. People started doing, like, the whole, like, uh, Brady got carried by the defense. They got lucky, all this stuff. Like, th- the Chiefs had a lot of things break their way in this run to the playoffs, or in this run of the Super Bowl, that is just good fortune. And, like, good, guess what? They capitalized on it. So at the end of the day, you get the Super Bowl. You get to take the credit for it. You deserve credit for it. But um, like, I think there are guys in this league. Like, I think Allen. I think Lamar. I don't think the the, the book is closed on these guys ever winning a Super Bowl for sure. Like, I, I think luck is a funny thing. And uh, look, we saw Brady win three of four uh, early in his career, and then he didn't win one for like what a decade, something like that. It's, it's um, quite some time, yeah. I
1: mean, he, he lost two where he had yeah. an elite team, right? Um, I, I don't love talking about – I'll, 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 I'll say this. I do think in 07, the defense, if not carried Eli, was, like, the more important part. 11, I have no argument there. Um, Eli was elite. Um, he outplayed Brady in that Super Bowl. Cool. Um, but, yeah, to your point, there's definitely a lot. And I'll even say this. To your point on, like, how good the Chiefs are around him, who do you think played better in the Super Bowl as far as – Mahomes was hurt, and that run was, like, gutsy. I'm not going to question that at all. Um, I thought Jalen Hurts was the better QB last year in the game. Um, and, you know, I think Mahomes was probably facing a better defense last year. Um, but but Chris Jones was on that team. Um, I actually think Chris Jones had a very strong case for MVP this year. And to your point, in terms of things breaking their way, you know, before the game, I, was, I wanted to refer for the – Niners, probably for many of the same reasons you wanted to root against the Chiefs, because I, I don't think I don't even root for Big Ten teams and like in, in bowl games or whatever. I would never root for an NFC team just to represent the NFC. I would have rooted for the Lions, but that's a different
0: you're, thing. You're not
1: you're not an SEC fan. <laughs> not an SEC fan. Um, <laughs> but
0: SEC.
1: Uh, SEC. SEC, SEC speed, yeah. How does that work out this year? Um, the um, <laughs> The Niners fans and, like, the players are making excuses before the game. Bosa was like, yeah, somebody pulled the fire alarm in our hotel. It reminded me of, like, th- we had when we went to Philly last year, there was construction. They've made excuses. debo has been, like, I mean, he trolls a lot. A.J. Brown is good friend, so I get it. But, like, they're very annoying in terms of excuses they made, like, after last year. Uh, and I couldn't help feel- but feel bad for them because there's a missed extra point. Um, I-, I don't want to put it on Jake Moody because he hit two really long field goals. Missed extra point. There was the punt punt that went off the guy's foot um which which reminded me i don't know if you remember that nfc championship game where they played the giants but a very similar thing happened i believe it was kyle williams where it went off his knee and that was also when i was full on i mean still am but like i was like that was the year they went and beat brady and i was like you won because that fucking knee right Uh, or no it it was the second time but um it wasn't the 07 but they've had i mean not to take i mean like like you said you take advantage of it you deserve credit but they've had some horrible luck. I mean, between that that punt fumble, where before that, the Chiefs really hadn't been doing much on offense at all, and the extra point, that's eight points, right? And game state and all that. It was tough for me not to feel bad for the 49ers and their fans after that game. A lot of bad luck. Um, I thought Shanahan also did some great stuff, by the way. That trick play was awesome. Uh, I that thought was Juwan really Jennings. Playing. Juwan Jennings played a good game. I think um, it's interesting because somebody, like one of the group chats, I mean, someone said, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach for the first 10 plays of a game. And then he's very ordinary. And that is exactly what I used to say about a coach on the Eagles who just won his third Super Bowl yesterday or two days ago. Uh, so it's ironic that Andy Reid has now become the guy who's like known as like a good game planner. Um, and I, I'd have to say this. like Belichick is probably the GOAT. But I would say this elevates. And Lombardi is just going to have a special place because he's Vince Lombardi. I'm not sure. There's another coach I'd put up. Bill Walsh. I think Andy Reid's on that conversation with a guy like Bill Walsh, um, and he deserves a lot of credit for this too. Um, I, and, I think Andy and Reid's second best coach ever. So you'd put him ahead so, of Bill Walsh too, huh? I think Bill Walsh had yeah. four Super Bowls. That would be the argument. I think he
0: did. I just think I think I think Andy Reid. I, I know that you're probably a huge McNabb guy. Um, I was not a huge McNabb guy. I thought he was good. I just didn't think he was amazing. And I, I, I would think agree with that, that assessment. I would agree yeah. with that assessment. And I just yeah. yeah. And I think to Andy Reid just elevated that team to a point beyond what most coaches would have done with them. Um, and he got kind of, like, punished for it. But um, I've always rated Andy Reid. I think he's awesome. And I'm actually – like, the thing is, I I genuinely, like, mostly just hate Mahomes because I lo- I, I love Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid's awesome. I'm happy for Andy Reid. And I'm happy that he didn't lose to fucking Kyle Shanahan. Um, and I, I, I actually so- – I don't really – I am a Swifty. And I, and I don't really understand people that like, don't like, I get that Kelsey can be arrogant and like, whatever, but I genuinely like him. Like, I don't know. I think he's like, he's actually engaging when he talks. Uh, I think he's genuine and he's a fucking baller. Like he shows up when, when it counts every year. So I got no problem with those guys. I just think, look, man, Mahomes, I think he's just a shitty loser and he's a shitty winner. And He's, you don't he, like your quarterbacks brilliant. to talk like this? I can't do the... I can't <laughs> no, do I, this. God, you <laughs> can't do the Kermit. But I just, I I can't stand... I can't stand him. That's what it is. So, anyway. Uh, all right. I think that's a good place to end it. 15 minutes football talk at the end there for anybody interested. Uh, all right. Stacey, let people know they can find you plug. anything you'd like to plug. Uh,
1: Stacey Patton, 89. Um... I will plug, um, I, got, I got nothing to plug right now, so uh, I'll plug all the great work at the Strickland. Um, I will tell everyone and myself, try not to get too worked up about the Magic game, uh, enjoy the all-star break, take a break from basketball, um, and uh, yeah, and enjoy the snow, but stay safe.
0: Um, yeah, I have nothing to, uh, to plug, so uh, I'll just plug the work at Strickland, check it out, uh, posting all kinds of new good content on there. Uh, Podcast, everything is, is up and running. So um all right, that is our part for today. I hope everybody has a great rest of the week. I hope the Knicks win their final game before the all-star break. I hope everybody enjoys their all-star break. Um, you know, do anything but watch basketball. That's my recommendation at the All-Star Break. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Ben Online, and I will see you all on Friday.